So Gartner.com put out a amazing article. They titled it Nine Future of Work Trends for 2023, right? And what they did is they broke down a few different trends, perspectives, and insights that they feel CHROs, heads of people, C-suite executive leaders need to be thinking about in a 2023 world as pertains to their workers, as pertains to the workforce. And there's a few topics here that I think I personally want to cover and talk about because I think I can elaborate on them a bit. And I also think they're providing some nuance and some context that um, that can really help shape the perspectives, the the minds of those leaders that are going to be inevitably implementing these best practices, adjusting some policies, adjusting some ways of working and making some change. So figured I share some thoughts. The first thing that they shared here is being a little bit more thoughtful with the being a little bit more thoughtful with the hybrid working flexibility options for your frontline workers. Right. So we're talking about your workers that are in the following fields. You're talking about your workers that maybe are working at your gas stations, your restaurants, uh, a lot of the healthcare workers there, um, your 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 office workers, your your warehouse workers, um, your workers that may be in manufacturing. You know, a lot of these workers don't have control over their schedule. A lot of these workers don't have paid leave. A lot of the, a lot of these workers don't have stability in their work schedule, and I think a lot of that has to change. What they're seeing in the trend, and this is their number two trend, is that a lot of these workers, about 58% of them are going to start either upskilling themselves and redeveloping themselves to move out of this space, which, raising my hand, would say good for you as an individual, but for the industry, for the manufacturing industry, for the for the restaurant industry, for the automotive industry, for the healthcare industry, that's not a good idea to have 58% of the workforce the frontline workers leaving that sector because of no control over work schedules, no control over paid leave, no stability within the work schedule. And they need to start reinvesting a lot of time and energy into employee experience. So a couple of things. First and foremost, when I see control over work schedule and not having control over that, I'll give you a very simple, tangible tip. There is a way, because my mother is in this situation, there is a way where if you're not going to give them a stable, consistent work schedule, maybe you can't, maybe you don't have, I know right now my mother is a uh, is a general manager for rural farms, right? And I know many times she is being called to strategically navigate the realities of people calling out, strategically navigate the realities of people just randomly quitting. And it seems as though, the rest, the the rural farm gas stations are always in a position where they don't have enough people there. They just always seem to be in a position where there's not enough workers, there's not enough hands, there's not enough help contextual to the inbound of customers coming in. Now, I understand that and I empathize with that. So if you could give your people a control over their work schedule, so maybe on a Sunday heading into the next week, you would say to my mother, you would say to Derek, you would say to Sam, you would say to Andrew, whatever the the, the employees are going to be, what do you want to work? How do you want to work this schedule? What, What days this week are going to work for you? If you're going to be an employee here, we need you to clock in 40 hours this week. But why don't you let us know what works for you. And then the HR teams there and the general managers there are going to have to be strategically navigating how they can 
deal with the ebbs and flows of the gaps, but at least giving a little bit more power in the, into the control of the schedule. Because I can tell you right now, not having control of the schedule drives my mother crazy. And it drives 58% of the workforce of these frontline workers crazy. And it drives them crazy because there's just in inevitable ups and downs and ebbs and flows in their schedule where they can't proactively plan things with their daughter. They can't proactively plan doctor visits. They can't proactively plan anything more than a few days out in a time. And that's a problem. So I would say, even starting at the beginning of the month, I would go to my mother and say, you know what? We want to give you control over your work schedule. We want to have you guaranteed clock in 40 hours a week, each and every week of these four weeks. You let us know which days. You let us know what times. You let us know what schedules are going to work best for you. And if you get these times in by this date, we can give you an 80% guarantee, a 90% guarantee that we're going to, you know, that we are going to agree to those times. We're going to support you around those times. We're going to make sure those times are, are guaranteed. And we're going to make sure that your schedule is somewhat a little bit more controllable and a little bit more consistent. I think the last factor is a lot of these frontline workers deserve paid leave. Number one, a lot of these frontline workers are literally the backbones of America. Let's just call it what it is. Americans, we, we need health care. We need certain things manufactured. We need certain things built. We need to go get gas. We need to go eat and go get food. These frontline workers, believe it or not, may not be the most strategic, may not be the most competent in the traditional framework of the way America looks at intelligence, but these frontline workers are the backbones of America today. If we don't have the gas station workers, if we don't have the folks at the restaurants, if we don't have folks in manufacturing, if we don't have folks in healthcare, then what would we do? And there's not a great answer for that. And I don't want to hear AI. I don't want to hear technology. I don't want to hear um, robots because yes, I believe those things are coming, but it's not here now. And so since it's not here now, we need to respect the reality and the context of these individuals' lives. Typically, those type of individuals have a lot of things going on within their households due to the lack of financial stability that they have, due to potentially the circumstances they're in uh, from a family perspective, from a culture perspective. And so giving these individuals a little bit more flexibility or a little bit more proactive paid leave so that they can attend to some of those family dynamics, attend to some of those difficult moments in their life and being cognizant of that and paying attention to that and being empathetic to that and being honest about that would really, really do um, a lot of these folks some justice and some support. And I think it's something that a lot of people need to think about and they're just simply not thinking about it. So that's number one. Number two, a lot of the low managers... Um, low managers, mid-level managers are going to have a little bit more of a focus in 2023 to, to help stop the quiet quitting movement. So what do I mean by that? A lot of the quiet quitting is happening because a lot of employees feel like they're no longer being developed. <clears throat> a lot of employees feel like they no longer have an option from a career mapping perspective. A lot of the employees no longer have a great relationship with their direct reports. A lot of employees feel like they don't like the structure of their role and they've asked time and time again to have the role restructured. There's multiple reasons, right? And so the number one thing that I think would be happening in a 2023 world is training for those low to mid-level managers around closing the skill gap, around supporting career progression needs, around building flexibility into their leadership style so they understand how to treat Derek, Andrew, Sarah, you know, Angela, 
in all different contextual ways and taking the time and building the systems and having the technology to understand how Derek wants to be communicated against, understand the decisions that Derek wants to be involved in, understand how to support Derek's career from a skill, skill gap perspective, understand when and how and if you will support and go to back for Derek from a promotion perspective. The, 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 the low to middle level managers, unfortunately, are the reasons of a lot of these, a lot of these, um, quiet quitting moments. Now, on the flip side, a lot of the low to mid-level managers will probably come to me and say, well, 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 AJ, I I have my hands tied. I'm I'm being restricted by my director. I'm being restricted by my VP. I'm being I'm being restricted by the C-suite. And I totally get that. So there, there's a couple things that need to happen. Number number one, organizations, C-suite, director, VP, you have to raise your hand and recognize what type of red tape, what type of restrictions, what type of walls are we putting up for our low to mid-level managers? Are we giving them more autonomy? Are we letting them know that the, the, the career progression support, the closing skill gap support, the building flexibility into leadership style support, are we, are we letting them know that this is a part of your job? Are we letting them know that this is incredibly important? And then are you learning from them the red red tape and the and the restrictions and the roadblocks and the walls that you're putting up around those factors, and are is that dialogue even happening? And my gut tells me, the data tells me that that's not happening. So C-suite, if you're listening, VPs, if you're listening, directors, if you're listening, support your low to mid level managers around those categories. Understand for yourself first and foremost the amount of bandwidth, the amount of support, the amount of adjustments you're willing to allow them to, pro to proactively make without emailing you, without calling you, without asking for permission. And then for my low-level and mid-level managers listening, you have to realize that closing the skill gap, supporting career, career progression needs, building flexibility into your leadership style, it's a must. It's a must, in my opinion, to keep your job as a leader. It's a must to support the people that you have been leading, those six to 12 people. And it's a must to make sure that this quiet quitting moment slows down a little bit. Another thing I want to talk about is figuring out ways that companies can start supporting the non-traditional candidate journey um, from, a, from a recruiting perspective. So what I mean by that is there's a lot of people right now that are looking for jobs that are not your prototypical candidate or employee or um, someone that's in the pipeline. According to the data, and I'm looking at here, it says employees are charting nonlinear career paths. 56% of candidates reporting um, report applying to jobs outside of their current area of expertise and outside of their current area of expertise within the coming years. What that essentially means, and, and what I'm reading from that is, and I'm one of those individuals as well, we need to start treating and teaching and developing and supporting the organizations and the TAs and the HR leaders to identify transferable skills, identify like like actually I'm going to stick right on that for a moment. There should be trainings that happen on a consistent basis where TAs, recruiters, HR leaders look at a product job, look at a sales job, look at any job, frankly, any job, any freaking job that they're looking to, to fill right now and say, if we can't get someone exactly with six years of experience doing this job at this type of a company, what would be the next best transferable moment? 
and go through a mental model, go through an exercise. Okay, if we're looking for a VP of partnerships that has this amount of skills working with Workday, this amount of skills working with development, this amount of skills doing strategy, this amount of skills being able to build C-suite level executive relationships, what would be what would be a comp? What would be a, a similar skill set? What would be a similar type of candidate? What would be someone that could be an easily um, transferable candidate that we would be able to support, be able to develop, be able to get up to speed in a relatively quick period of time. I don't think companies are going through that mental model. I don't think companies are going through that process. And I know for a fact they're not training recruiters to seek out that perspective, to understand that perspective, and to go through the mental model and the exercise and the trainings to really dive in and, and look for that. And I think this is going to be important for the following reasons. There's going to be a moment, I believe, in the back end of 2023 where we're, quote unquote, slowing down on the recession and starting to ramp up on hiring again. And those recruiters are going to have to look at all the folks that are coming to get jobs and respect the fact that many of them, 56%, according to the data, may not be from your exact demographic, may not be from your exact background, may not be from the exact pipeline, may not be from the exact skill set, may not be from the exact type of job previously that you were looking for. But you have to keep your eyes and ears open to look and hear for things that are different that you know for a fact can be transferable. And the best way you can do that is by giving your people, your recruiters, the training, going through the mental models, creating examples, creating maybe even some case studies. So when you do come across an Anthony Vaughn, when you do come across a Michael, when you do come across a Sarah, when you do come across anyone that looks a little bit different than your traditional, this isn't new to you. You've seen this, you've heard this, you've understood this, you've been around this because you've done some sort of training and your companies have given you the green light to say, you know what, push them to round two, push them to round three, because if we inevitably decide to hire this person, we'll be able to take those baseline skills and develop them for the future because it's not that much of a, um, it's not that much of a, of a struggle to try to get them up to speed. I think the last thing that I'll talk about finally is healing the pandemic trauma and, and, and really opening up the path to sustain, sustainable performance and sustainable inclusivity. So what do I mean by that? In 2023, we have to remember that proactive rest, discussion around opportunities and trauma counselors are going to be incredibly important. Let me let me make this clear. You have to realize that human beings went through two ridiculously catastrophic emotional moments for many people. They went through potentially getting laid off, having family members pass away, and having a complete shift of the workforce workplace experience during COVID. And then literally within an eight to 12 month period of time, some of those same people are now laid off. Some of those same people are now reading the blogs, reading the headlines, looking in the news and seeing all the companies that are no longer hiring or doing hiring freezes or doing cash freezes. So you have to respect that. So when those people eventually come back to your organization, you have to respect that burnout. So you have to be proactive around PTO. You have to be proactive around potentially no, no meeting Fridays. You have to be proactive around allowing them to have a little bit more control. And when they can tell you, hey, you know, on Wednesday, 
It's just creating a hybrid culture here. I think I'm going to come into the office between 9 and 12. And then I'm going to do some yoga and take my daughter out for some lunch between 12 and 3. And then I'm actually going to come back to work and close up between 3 and 7. If that is that okay with you? Because that's really going to give me the mental peace and the clarity and the, and the calmness that I'm looking for because I'm just overwhelmed. The brain has gone through a lot, guys. The brain has gone through a lot over the last two, three years. And we have to respect that. The second thing. Discussion of opportunities. A lot of people have had their careers pause for a minute. What I mean by that is a lot of people during the layoffs, a lot of people during the reshuffling, they haven't had so many career advancement opportunities. So companies need to be more proactive with having the discussions of the opportunities that may or may not be coming up in a 2023 world because I guarantee the workforce are going to be hungry looking for those advancements, looking for more money, looking for more title, looking for more responsibility. Finally, teach your leaders how to be trauma counselors. We need to have on-site training and coaching where managers understand how to deal with workplace, workplace, workplace conflict due to employees that are burnt out and as well as due to the state of the world and having those uncomfortable conversations that we know are going to be brewing, whether it's the Black Lives Matter, whether it's the political state of the world, whether it's what's happening in um, with the layoffs, whether it's what happening, whether it's what's happening with some some ways employees feel about how the companies did other employees that were laid off a disservice with not being more proactive with product adjustments, being proactive around maybe raising pricing so they could, you know, maintain and keep the workforce, whatever it's going to be. We need people, we need leaders, we need managers on site that understand how to deal with trauma, understand how to train and coach and deal with workplace conflict and have those difficult conversations, be empathetic, be supportive, be strategic and be loving. We need people to understand how to develop that skill, hone in on that skill. Frankly, it needs to be a manager expectation in your leadership rubrics. And um, it's something that needs to happen. So these are some really great trends, some really great focuses, I believe, in the 2023 world. Thank you, Gartner. Um, thank you to myself for unpacking these thoughts. I hope this, this was uh, very supportive and very insightful because, I again, I really believe that some of these trends, some of these perspectives are going to be a big, big focus in the 2023 world. And I hope you all can uh, get on top of these things, take these things seriously, and um, make a change. So as always, just a few thoughts, just a few perspectives. We'll talk soon.